Hello, welcome to another episode of Vertigo Voices. I'm Colby. I'm Sophia. And today we are going to be recording a commentary track for the movie Constantine. 2005 Vertigo Comics adaptation starring the perfectly cast Keanu Reeves. <laughs> so we're going to be recording it. I've I got the DVD edition of the movie in right now. So if you're going to queue it up, we're going to press play in just a second. Three, two, one, play, go. And there's a little fucking Constantine logo for the movie. <laughs> it be heaven or something. The cinematic magic begins. Village Roadshow. Yeah, uh, just right off the top. So I used to, oh, I, I like the Vertigo logo right there with the crumble. looks cool. Uh, Years ago, I used to have a website. Well, I still have a website, but I just don't update it anymore. <laughs> it's called Comic Book Media. I'd write about comic book movies and used to have a podcast there called The Commentary Cast, like seven years ago. Uh, and I decided to, to restart the Commentary Cast, I guess. So that's what this is, the first of the Vertigo Commentary Casts. I think I said Vertigo or Vertigo-adjacent films. <laughs> <laughs> Vertigo-adjacent is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Because there's a couple movies that, like, uh, The Fountain had a Vertigo adaptation. Really? Yeah, so that could be a Vertigo movie. And then Mad Max Fury Road had a Vertigo <laughs> prequel, so that could be a Vertigo movie. Yes. Uh, what's the movie? Um, Django Unchained had a Vertigo adaptation. <laughs> wow. Folks, <laughs> we're going to go a lot deeper with this than I thought we were. So anyway, back to the movie at hand. So there's uh, Constantine, or the, there's the, the Mexican dude who pulls out the flag, the Nazi flag with the Spear of Destiny here. The, I thought that was a fun nod to the comics, the fact that the Spear of Destiny is wrapped in a Nazi flag. Because in DC Comics, Hitler used the Spear of Destiny to keep supervillains, I mean, sorry, to keep superheroes like the Justice Society, from intervening in World War II. Mm-hmm. And I have to hand it to him. The Spear of Destiny actually looks cool in this, I think. Apparently it's the same prop as from Hellboy. Really? Wait, I hate this part right here. Ready? Now, <laughs> I, I hate in movies where you don't hear the car until you see it. <laughs> it's true. Like, it's, it's just so fucking dumb. It's, it's just a cheap, uh, a cheap jump scare. It is. And it, it drives is. me nuts. He was so focused, now that he had the Spear of Destiny, he was so focused on making it to Los Angeles. Anyway, evidently the Spear is the same prop from the movie Hellboy. I don't know if that's true or not. I've read that on the IMDb. In fact, if you go on IMDb right now, that is the first pit bit of trivia. <laughs> so it <laughs> is. Movie Constantine. And it's, it's been on there for as long as this movie's been out. But uh, I, I have no idea if that's true. Just realized the sound wasn't all the way off. So we may have picked up some cars from the beginning. <laughs> Phantom cars. I want that to be true. A little piece of trivia. Yeah. That'd be fun. The actual Spear of Destiny, which psst, isn't real, <laughs> is on display at like some museum in Austria, maybe? I don't really? know. Really? Oh, Austria of all places. Yeah. All right. So here we have some good old-fashioned demon possession. Yeah. This movie is really, really heavy on the possession shit. <laughs> and I mean, I guess I get it because it's cheap. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's way cheaper to just, like, draw veins on a 
person's face and be like, bah, 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 then actually make a demon. So I really, I like the way this is shot. Uh, the director said that he filmed these introductory scenes of John either high or low angles to imply that he's being watched by heaven and hell. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's a clever. Like, there's a really low angle he's lighting up. It's it's a really clever idea, and I wish that that uh, that cleverness was in more of the movie. <laughs> yes, you're here. Now, I haven't. To be honest, I haven't watched this since. Oh God, I think like 2012, mm-hmm. maybe earlier than that. So there's a lot that I don't remember um particularly this yeah the demon possession scene this right here um (laughs) i don't i don't mean to laugh but i kind of do uh because i i don't know it just uh unoriginal observation but it just looks like so many demon possession scenes we've seen before yeah but I could see how if you had no idea who John Constantine was and you just wanted a simple popcorn thriller to turn your brain off, this might do it for you. Yeah, I guess. I, and I, I hear a lot of people, like, this movie is really well regarded in history, you know? Like, it's got a lot of fans, and I don't quite understand it. Because obviously I'm a huge Hellblazer fan, and I don't necessarily care that things get changed in adaptations as long as it's good. I just don't think it's a very good movie. There's too many gaps in the plot, too many uh, plot holes and, and shit that just doesn't, doesn't really work. I think Keanu Reeves, for as much as I don't think he should have been cast in the role, I think he does a pretty good job, honestly. Um, I like Keanu Reeves a lot, even though, again, I think he's miscast. <laughs> but I, I like him a lot, and I think he, he brings a certain amount of charisma to the role. It's just there's a lot that doesn't work. I, I call this... The best looking bad movies ever. <laughs> it's shot really well. I just don't. I just don't think it's very good. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I'll, I'll get more into the plot holes as they come up, and the shit that just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and and another thing that bugs me about it is a lot of that was answered in deleted scenes. Oh, it's like this is shitty editing. Why would you cut something out that explains a, a section of the movie that doesn't make sense? Oh, that scene right there. That's a giant cigarette. It's like Giant a, yeah, it's like it's like bigger than it should be <laughs> because they they couldn't get the perspective to work with a, uh, a regular sized cigarette. So they made like a huge cigarette to put near the lens of the camera to make it look like it's further or the John's further away from it than it is. Oh, good <laughs> trick. To go back a little bit, that is one part that did actually make me laugh when I first saw this movie is that he just we punches the kid in the yeah, neck, <laughs> right in the neck. <laughs> Which, to be fair, I would probably react the same way if a demon came out of a child's neck at me, but, yeah. Jazz Kramer. <laughs> hey, that's actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Have you ever heard that song? <laughs> no, but please go on. It's a song called Actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf. What? <laughs> it's, li- it's this song about, like, about like you know, <laughs> you're walking through the forest one night. It's uh, the, the sound, like, the... <laughs> the leaves are still. The wind isn't blowing. Suddenly, you hear something behind you. You look, and it's Shia LaBeouf on all fours, sprinting towards you. Oh. <laughs> and it's just this song of like <laughs> a, f- a fight for survival against actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> that actually sounds quite.
bit scary. Have you ever seen that gif of Shia LaBeouf in like a full tuxedo clapping? Mm-mm. It's like a gif that's been around the internet forever. That's from the music video for that song. So the music video is like this chorus up on a stage playing that song for an empty uh, theater. And then at the very end, the camera pulls back and there's just one person in the back of the theater. And it's Shia LaBeouf <laughs> wearing a full tuxedo. <laughs> clapping. <laughs> well, now I have to watch that. The song came out when he was going through his like insane phase when he was ripping off comic creators and uh, claiming that it was his own work and all that. Was, Did he do that? Yeah, he went nuts for a while. Well, I know he went nuts, but I, I didn't know that he was... Clear. And it was, just, it was just like he went... He, so he ripped off a Daniel Klaus comic. Uh, really? Made a short film that totally ripped it off. Got called out on it and just was like a defiant asshole about it. And uh, delivered this huge apology that was just plagiarized from another person's, like, apology. <laughs> and then he kept, like, doubling down on that. Like, every time it would come up, he would quote someone else as a way of, like, apolo- I don't know. He just was a dick for a while. Okay. okay. <laughs> he seems to be in a better headspace nowadays. <laughs> he does. He does. To his credit. But back when this movie came out, again, like, I've already mentioned Keanu being, oh, wait, I like this scene right here. Like the way he goes to the cigarette. He's like, ah, oh, my sweet, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> sweet, sweet tobacco, ah, oh, it's burned out. <laughs> Alas. Um, but anyway, I, I think Shia is incredibly miscast in this movie as well. I brought up Keanu being miscast, but I think Shia is horribly miscast. In the comics, Chaz and John are about the same age, and the defining characteristic of their personality, or of their friendship, is that John always needs it. And he's always calling on Chaz to basically do more than he should be. Mm-hmm. And Chaz is always there because he owes it. <laughs> well, and in this, it just... It, going back to what you said about this movie, it's not that um, all of it's bad. It's just all so typical. Like, yeah. Chaz in this is basically scrappy-dappy-doo. Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, they, they make a joke about him being... Robin earlier, right? Or later in the movie? Something like that. And I, that's all he is. He's just fucking Robin. He's Robin with a car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's dumb. I, why would John have a sidekick? It, it's, I don't know. It's, it's very obvious. And I think that's the biggest thing about this movie is everything from the comics, like all the subtext and all of the, um, what's the word? All of the nuance of the comic gets stripped down to its most basic elements. Like in... Hellblazer, and in Vertigo in general, the idea of myth and mythology and supernatural, like, it's, it's all human-created. Like, we create our own myths, so they're, they're real because we believe them to be real. So the Christian god is just as, as real as, you know, Ganesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this, it's just Judo-Christian Catholicism, basically. Uh, you know, heaven's good, hell's bad, the end. Yeah, and, down the line. Uh, yeah, exactly. And they, they strip it down to such a basic component that I, I guess would be okay if they stuck to that. But then they add some just weird, oddball mythologi- or new mythological elements, like the whole concept of half-breeds. What the fuck is that? They don't ever explain it. They don't. They don't. I still don't know what a half-breed is. You have to read the novelization to figure out what a half-breed is. So it's basically somebody who dies if they are incredibly good or incredibly bad then they go to heaven or hell, and then they're used as, like, an agent on Earth. So, so uh, Balthazar, the Gavin Rossdale's character, apparently was, like, a really bad guy, 
and now he's half breed. So he's, and that explains Chaz's resurrection at the end of the movie, but but within the context of the movie, they don't say that anywhere. No, they don't. They don't. And even uh, even that explanation, I'm sorry, but by that logic, shouldn't Mother Teresa be walking around? As... No, because she was a terrible person. But. <laughs> I'm not joking. She was. 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 There's a lot about her that did not get brought to light until after she died. Um, But but yeah, I I understand what you mean. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's just a dumb, uh, needless plot point they put in it. It's it's almost like they stripped it back to you know uh, just Catholicism, basically the idea of heaven and hell, good, bad, God, the devil, and then they realized like, wait a second, that doesn't make this interesting. (laughs) So they just hastily threw in an extra component to somehow make it interesting and really just makes it confusing. Well, and remind me what year this came out. 2005. 2005, okay. In fact, February 2005, because just earlier this year was its 15th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was in the midst of my year blazer reading all the Hellblazer comics. Oh, yes. Uh, So that day I I took some time out of my day and rewatched this movie. And it's, it's, it's... It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine? It's fine. (laughs) Well, I feel like if they were to make this movie now, then it would be a lot richer because you have so many different platforms on which you could release it. And because comic book movies are now a thing, they would treat it more like the nuanced material that it is as opposed to, well, this is the standard formula for a comic book movie, so this is what we're going to do. Um, which this feels a lot like. It's really interesting to me that this got adapted so early on in comic book movies. Why did that happen? I, I don't know. I mean, it had been apparently floating around for a while. The history of this movie getting made is pretty, like, goes back quite a bit. Um, I think in the late 90s there was a script written by, oh, I think it was the writer of, one of the writers of this, like, uh, Kevin... Robin or something. Hmm. Uh, Kevin Broadbent. So he wrote the first draft, and then it was rewritten by Frank Capello. I'm sure it went through a ton of rewrites. But at one point, it was going to be set in the future. <laughs> I remember seeing concept art for these like futuristic cars because it was going to start with a car chase. Oh. And like again, a futuristic car caught. A futuristic car chase. That wasn't the first draft of the script. Because apparently Kevin uh, Broadbent's first draft was pretty close to the comics in terms of tone and characterization and whatnot. John was blonde and British. There was a subplot about John's dad, who in the comics, John and his father have a really rough relationship. And apparently there was a big moment where he finds his dad crucified on the ceiling of his home. And yeah, and you no, know, just like really weird horror elements that would have been cool. But throughout many rewrites, the script got just sapped of its originality and turned into this. Mm-hmm. And back when it was first, well, probably not first, but back when it was being shopped around, when it was really close to being filmed, it was going to be directed by Tarsim Singh, oh. who did The Cell and The Fall. I think he did one of those Cinderella movies, maybe. <laughs> mirror, mirror. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good director, and back then, I think the only movie I'd seen of his was The Cell. I think that might have been his first. And I remember seeing that and hearing that he was going to do Hellblazer, and I was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> sign him up. <laughs> that would have been visually compelling. Yeah. And he uh, didn't do it, 
because back at the time, Nicolas Cage was looking, or was trying, he was trying to get any comic book movie he could. <laughs> he was trying to be Superman for a while. Uh, he was Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah, this cop right here. Notice how he's got his arm in a sling? <laughs> yeah, we never see him again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a, well, I think he comes back later, but they don't ever explain that. But there's a deleted scene where he gets shot at the beginning of the movie. Um, he and Angela are, like, tracking down some guy, and she uses her, like, precognitive powers to, like, get out of the way. <laughs> and so he gets shot instead. <laughs> well done, partner. <laughs> Fucking bitch. <laughs> you could have warned me, too. <laughs> Duck. Oh. But anyway, so uh, Nicolas Cage really wanted to be John Constantine. He was cast, and shortly after that, Tarsem Singh left the movie, and the only thing he said was, uh, with Cage on the project, I can't make the movie I wanted to make. Oh, there you have it. <laughs> and then it was in development hell again for many years, and then finally this got made. Huh. Yeah, I, uh, as much as I appreciate Nicolas Cage, I would probably take Keanu Reeves Constantine over Nicolas Cage Constantine. I don't know. It depends. Back then, I think Cage, because back then he was, he was younger and he had that kind of like hungry look in his eye. <laughs> Good point. And I, I could see him in the role back then, but it could also have gone either way really easily. <laughs> like, it could have been way better than this, and it could have been way worse. <laughs> well, now I'm thinking of him in uh, Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. And you know the character, of course, much better than I do, so... Uh, one second, one second. I hate this line. You going down? No, the fucking help it. Because <laughs> it's so uh, obvious. Like, everything in this movie is just so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that ties into characterization, because... Um, I like Keanu Reeves just fine, but one thing he seems to be missing is, like, he has all of the gallows humor of John Constantine without the charm. Yeah. Like, throughout this movie, he is just kind of a petulant dick. Yeah. And he does have some funny lines, and some of the stuff he does is cool, but maybe Nicolas Cage would have been able to bring a little bit of that, you know... Wink, wink. Yeah, it could be. I like the petulant dickishness of him because he's, you know, this is somebody who knows he's dying. So he's just like, I'm going down, going to make everyone feel as bad as I, as I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it. I just think that some of the writing isn't suited to his acting very well. Mm. Like that line right there with the going down, not if I can help it. I think there's a better way for him to deliver not not necessarily that line but there's a better way to deliver that feeling i guess yes yes oh and this little dude beeman his little armorer here so what is okay he gets the screech beetles bullet shavings from the pope that never comes up again holy water ampules from the river jordan mm. you know, like screech beetles from amateurville <laughs> amityville also didn't happen that's that's a a hoax. <laughs> 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 Nails on a chalkboard. Um, there's something he gives him here that you don't see. Uh, and I hate this little bit of exposition. The, I, can't, I can't come through. So he gives him that little dragon's breath here. Which, what is that? Is that literally just a vial of dragon's breath? I guess so. It's just dumb. They should have called it something else, or they should have explained it better. Just give him a magic wand. Fuck it. Right, right. <laughs> There's a magic wand that shoots fire. Because how the hell do you harvest dragon? But then there's there's two... See, I think he moves it right here. God damn it. 
soldier team have a little girl. So he, <laughs> he gives him these little strips of fabric. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't, there's no close-up. He just, you just see him like kind of shuffle them aside. And later he uses those to kill those demons that fly out out of the sky. Yes. Right there. He's holding oh, them right there. There we go. So yeah, what's that? I don't know. Not going to tell us right now. <laughs> there's a deleted scene where he fucking tells him right here. So what is it? It's uh, scraps of Moses's shroud, and apparently, if you set it on fire, it's like an atomic bomb for demons, <laughs> and it just vaporizes them. So again, there's a scene like that's five seconds. Why did they cut that? <laughs> why, why did they cut that while they're giving shitty exposition about? Well, you know, John, soldier demons can't come onto this realm. Uh, like it says, only the fucking half. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's like shit like that. That's explained ad nauseum in this movie, but there's no explanation for shit that needs to be explained. How you can chase away demons with cloth. Yeah. Oh, here is probably one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, this scene is actually a fairly literal adaptation of a scene in uh, Dangerous Habits, where John goes to talk to, to um, Gabriel. Which, the inclusion of Gabriel in this movie sets up another huge plot hole because they've already established that only half-breeds can come on the planet Earth, but Gabriel is the Archangel Gabriel. Right. So, (laughs) is Gabriel a half-breed or is it the Archangel Gabriel? (laughs) Yeah, they kind of backed themselves into a corner on that one. And that's a result of multiple rewrites, but still needing the character and not really thinking it through. And it's a good reveal. I mean, yeah. it's wonderful to have her in this movie. I think this is probably the first thing I ever saw her in. And then I wanted to watch everything yeah. that came hence. That line right there, still keeping your eye, all-seeing eye on me, that's from the comics. Oh. A few lines in this movie that's from the comics. <laughs> in the comics, Gabriel is hang- always spends his time hanging out at this, uh, like, like old British gentleman's club, you know, like sitting on a fancy chairs, drinking scotch by the fire. And John goes to get some help and Gabriel turns him down. And then John realizes that Gabriel's been hanging out with a white supremacist. So he then like uses that against him later through this huge like Machiavellian scheme to get back at everyone who wouldn't help him. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. He ends up cutting out Gabriel's heart, using him as a, as like a, uh, Oh, what's the word? Like a, basically like a canary in a coal mine. <laughs> <laughs> For if anyone tries to attack him. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Tilda Swinton does a really good job with the role. And I think I've said this before. I can't remember where, but she looks like a girl. <laughs> I mean, Tilda Swinton is clearly a woman in this. The character of Gabriel, I think, is spoken of masculinely, either in the movie or in the script. I can't remember. Maybe it's just the novelization. But... And they clearly hired Tilda Swinton because of her androgynous look. But they gave her, like, a three-piece suit and was like, yeah, good enough. <laughs> but, like, look at her hair and look at her face. Like, she looks, she looks like a woman. She does. When, like, when you look at her straight on, although, you know, maybe I'm a little bit oblivious here, but the first time I saw this just from the side profile, I was like, oh, it's a, it's a skinny guy. Mm-hmm. But, but looking at her now, yes, that is a woman. She looks more like... Uh... Sandman's Lucifer than Gabriel right now. <laughs> she does. True, true. But anyway, I love Tilda Swinton. I love her in the role. 
Um, one of the few things about this movie that I don't really have any complaints with. I don't even care. Oh, right there. He calls her half right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I don't even care that she looks like a woman. That's fine. I don't, I don't care. Gabriel can be a woman for all I care. But it's weird that they clearly wanted her to be androgynous, but I don't think she really looks that androgynous to me. Mm-hmm. They could have gone further. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They could have. That would have been fine. But again, I, I like the way she looks here. I guess, I mean, me too, but it is another example of one more thing that they, if they had had the room to do so, or if they hadn't confined themselves to your atypical plot points for a comic book movie, they probably could have pushed the envelope a little bit more. Yeah. Well, it's just, oh, so much of this movie just feels so stock standard. And I think it was a result of 2005 not really knowing how to adapt something like this. Oh, definitely. But at the same time, Hellblazer should be a fairly easy adaptation. Because it's not like you have a lead character wearing tights and a cape and with the power to move planets, you know? <laughs> you, you, they, there's, there's many Hellblazer comics and issues and storylines that have far less special effects or grandiose storylines than this movie. If they were to actually adapt Dangerous Habits directly, there's like one or two scenes in that that have any like, you know, would require a big budget. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that just falls in line with the idea too that... Um... Hey, there's a Quiznos in the background. God, I'm going to Quiznos for... Are they even still around? I thought they were. There's none in Spokane mm-hmm. anymore. Oh. I don't know, I want Quiznos now. They're uh, um, honey mustard chicken sandwich. Good. Anyway, they're <laughs> <laughs> making me hungry. Come on. Um, now you got me thinking of the stupid little Quizno subs mascot. Sponge monkeys. <laughs> Is that what they were? Yeah. Because they're good. Oh, gosh. They're Quizno subs. <laughs> that, that was actually a viral video that Quiznos bought the rights to. Oh, really? Because the original vi- viral video was those two little dudes singing about the moon. Huh? Like, we love the moon. <laughs> Well, it seemed to work for him. <laughs> that was about the time this movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> now remind me, this guy is supposed to be a priest. Yeah, his name's Father Hennessy. So he, Hennessy's not a character in the comics, but he's uh, kind of based on three of John's sidekicks in the comics. And you can actually read this on IMDb. They are based on the characters Rick the Vic, who is a priest... Um, who's a like a pervy priest? <laughs> uh, Nige Archer, who's like an anarchist and uh, uh, a psychic friend of John's, and then Rick the or no, no fuck Nige Archer, Rick the Vic, and Heather, who's uh, a big fat guy. <laughs> okay. okay. And you can read that on IMDb because I put that there. <laughs> I was the one who wrote that trivia on IMDb. <laughs> So yeah, those are three three characters that John has allied with in the past, all of which are dead, um, most of which died in horrible ways. <laughs> and I forget what Father Hennessy here is supposed to be the catalyst for. He, he's just a psychic. Like John, John's asking him to look into, uh, like a soldier demon trying to get out of a girl. <laughs> Tell me what that's about, Hennessy. He that takes is- his little charm from him so that he. Uh, his psychic powers unrestrained. And I actually like that because it's, it's John using him. <laughs> okay, so now we're coming up on... What are the... Bug demons? Yeah, the fight with Larry Cedar. 
the actor that plays him is Larry Cedar. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that it was, there was an actor in all this. I thought it was like total CGI. Well, I mean, it is, but it's green screen. He probably voices the character. Larry Cedar is an actor that's been in a ton of shit. Product placement. Yeah, that was actually just there. Oh, was it really? Yeah, that was just there on set, or not on set because they filmed it on the street. <laughs> but that was just there, and they uh, they filmed that. The director thought it was funny that it says your time is running out. Well, way to use the environment around you. Yeah. Gotta give him props for that. But... Ooh, crabs. John's got crabs. <laughs> hey. When crustaceans are close. Yeah, this this demon too. Like I. He's, I think I've, I've mentioned this before when I talked about this movie. Is that so? He gets a few punches on John. He turns into, you know, swarm, and then he reconstitutes, and then John tricks him by, or John kills him by just tricking him in, into traffic. Uh, you know, right. so he gets hit by a car, and that's how he dies. So he's as strong as a regular person, <laughs> but. Uh, but like worse, I guess, because he's just a bunch of, just a bunch of bugs. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, splat all over the windshield. Like, I suppose. Like how how is this a threat? I don't know. Splat. Yeah. Oh, that was a silent car until it hit there. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Again, those silent cars. Kicks the crab. <laughs> Fucking crab. So that's well, that's actually heartening. If you're ever attacked by a demon, just lead him out into traffic. You'll be fine. Yeah, and they can't hear cars that are coming for them. Exactly. I hate this, this whole fucking exchange. It's Papa Midnight's a crusader for good. He's more ortho neutrality. Right, more of that exposition. The man's a legend. Yeah, just need, and it's need, this isn't needed. No. Show me his fucking bar, and then have John talk to Papa Midnight about their past, and then you get all that. You don't need to have idiot LaBeouf over here, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf <laughs> over here, just spitting out useless dialogue. <laughs> uh, and help me pronounce this actor's name. Jaimon Hansu? Thank you. He's not on screen yet, but I assume that's who you're talking about. Yes, that is who I'm talking about. He has such a presence anyway, yeah. um, that if they were just to, there's so many things in here that if they were just to let them play out. A rat in a dress. <laughs> <laughs> Rat in a dress, of course it is. <laughs> just testing, just testing. Look at him, look at him, just labuffing it up. <laughs> okay, so this scene, uh, the the song that's playing is "Passive" by Perfect Circle, which is written for the movie, and it like describes the plot of the movie, <laughs> which is like it's fun, but it's also like. It's, it, it's, a, it's a good song, and in many ways it's a better adaptation of Hellblazer than this movie. That's Domino Harvey, oh. a bounty hunter. She Hello. died shortly after this movie. Uh, anyway, uh, but it like, literally just describes what's happening. <laughs> and it's weird that he'd be walking into a bar while a song talking about his life is playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this it just, feels vaguely familiar. Yeah, it would have been better as an end credit song. Um, you know that that's kind of a red flag too. I feel in movies because I can think of several movies where you listen to like a song specifically made for the movie, and you're like, "This is a better summation of the movie than the movie yeah. itself." Like the Men in Black theme. Right, right. <laughs> they should have cast Will Smith as Papa Midnight so that he could have wrapped the, the <laughs> story of the movie over the end credits. It would have been a top ten song. I thought the thing was authentic. Uh, so in the comics, when Pumba Midnight was first introduced in 
like Hellblazer number one or two. I don't know. It was really early on. Um, John and Papa Midnight were enemies. And they've always really been enemies in the comics. In the movie, it's like, it's clear they have a past. There's some antagonism. But overall, they're allies. And in the comics, he was like this giant, like, voodoo priest who always wore, like, a Baron Samedi hat. Is that a Baron Samedi? I don't know. How do you pronounce it? It was like a white top hat and a grass skirt. And it was like, I mean, it was it was kind of racist. <laughs> and it was just one of those, like, like you know, you need that that kind of, that uh, person who's, like, the other in terms of magic. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows all about voodoo and all that, whereas John is, is more of the, like, westernized magic. And so, like, I get it, but I feel like they probably didn't, didn't handle him with the best care. Mm-hmm. And so after the movie came out, Matt Johnson wrote a miniseries about Papa Midnight. And they totally redesigned the character to look exactly like Jaimon Hansu. It's <laughs> 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 just funny because it's, like, it's briefly addressed. Like, oh, that's my past that we really don't talk about. Well, John just makes a joke about how he lost weight or something. <laughs> because before that, John had killed Baron... Uh, Samedi, I almost said that. John killed Papa Midnight um, by having him, like, he mind-controlled him and had him walk off of a building. And oh. that, that, was that, that was the last you saw of him in the comic. And then when he came back in the miniseries, it was like a new character, and John's like, I thought you were dead. And, but they don't ever address how he came back or whatever. It's just, you know, I was, but now I'm not. <laughs> in true comic book form sometimes. I can feel it. And... I noticed that this is the third time, I think, in the movie that they mentioned a soldier demon tried to chew his way out of a little girl. Yeah, you only need that once. Yeah. Oh, man, fucking Gavin Rossdale just chewing the shit out of his stupid role. That's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> I feel like Gavin Rossdale is probably one of the only actors in this who really knows what's going on. Wait, wait, Johnny Boy. <laughs> what is your on the way down? <laughs> Fresh meat. <laughs> Finger looking good. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, he may be the only one who knows what he's doing, but I still hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just so uneven in tone. He's a pretty looking fellow, but goddamn, give him an acting coach or something. I like that line, though, when John's coughing. He's like, sorry, didn't catch that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So originally here, there's a scene... Well, so there's a whole subplot that was cut out of this movie. Early on, John has sex with this character named Ellie, who's a, a character from the comics, who's a demon that he helped when in the comics. And it's complicated. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so in this, there's a scene where he has sex with her, and he's like trying to get information out of her. And later, when he's walking through the club coughing, he goes into the bathroom and like starts coughing up blood and sees her again. And then she comes back at the end. And her entire plot point was, or her entire plot line was cut, cut out of the movie, so that she only has one scene now, and she's like an extra <laughs> at the it's very Michelle end. Yeah, Michelle Monaghan. Yeah, Michelle Monaghan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't pick it that up on that at first because, well, at that time, Michelle Monaghan was still not very well known. Monaghan. I think so. Thank you. She still wasn't that well known, but like on a subsequent rewatch, I was like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. Michelle Monaghan. <laughs> There was like two movies around this time that she was cut out of. <laughs> oh, what was the other one? I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember reading that. But um, yeah, Ellie was an, is an interesting character in the comics. Like I really like her. She pops up a lot throughout the series. Sometimes she's 
she's uh, an ally, sometimes she's an enemy, um, and she and John have a really interesting repartee. I would have loved to have seen that in the movie. Why do you think they cut it out? Francis Lawrence said that they cut it out because he wanted John to be completely alone in his life before he meets uh, Angela here. And he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't feel that he would be willing to help her if you saw him, like, fucking a woman earlier in the movie. Which I disagree with because it seems like he barely wants to help her as it is. Yeah. And my, my issue with that is that I feel like he... First of all, he's already got his little buddy... Uh, he's got a sidekick. He's got his dude that brings him weapons. You know, he's got people in his life. Um, so that the, uh, right off the bat, like, well, no, that's that's dumb. <laughs> right. But then the other thing, so he's he claims that you know, like having having John have sex with somebody else and have this almost relationship with the demon makes it seem like uh, that like he wouldn't need her help, whatever. But or the, like he, he doesn't need that connection to Angela. And my my thing is that. When he's with Ellie, she's very antagonistic to him. Those deleted scenes are on the DVD. Like, you can watch them. She's very antagonistic to him and, like, kind of teasing him. And to me, I feel like having an unhealthy relationship would make him want something normal and healthy more. Right, right. Like, seeing that negativity coming from somebody would make him want to help or be, be a part of this person's positive life more, I guess. That's a good point. And that it's so strange that they did that, too, because... In watching this, you get the you get the idea that at some point these two are supposed to get together, yeah. but then they do, and then they don't, and then they yeah, do, so and they, they almost don't. kiss. It, it's a weird thing, and especially because, like, I understand that that whole idea of like forcing a romantic subplot into a action horror movie or adaptation, like we've seen that millions of times. So I understand the idea of not wanting them to get together. But also, like, John's been around the block. He's, he's nailed plenty of people. <laughs> so, so who cares if, if he has sex with her or if they have a romantic relationship? Like, it's not that, that big of a deal to me. Of all the issues with this movie, him, him uh, falling in love with the cop would be one of the minor ones, I think. Indeed. Well, and again, it's just the idea, like, if you're not going to do it, then don't do it. But if you're going to do it, commit to it and go there. Here comes the trailer line. What if I told you that God and the devil made a wager for this kind of standing bet for the souls of all mankind? That was, that was the, like, the trailer shot to kind of set up the plot, you know? No direct contact with humans, just influence. <laughs> Once again, just exposition, like, this has probably been said before in the movie already. <laughs> well, and, and like you said earlier, it's just straight down the line, Judeo-Christian, like, what would he do if her response was, I'm an atheist. Yeah. You know, I'm a Buddhist. Well, then he'd say this right here. Ready? Because when she says terrible things, sometimes because of an easy ring nudge. Come on, say it, goddammit. But it's along the lines of... right there. I don't believe in the devil. You should. He believes in you. How many horror slash possession movies has that been used in? Well, it's a... Play on the whole, for, you know, like, I don't believe in God. Well, he believes in you. But that saying is supposed to be inspirational, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, well, God believes in you. You can do it. And so to have him say that, it misses the point of that 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 uh, saying. Like, it, it it's not supposed to be a joke, but it, it is. <laughs> like, that's fucking dumb. <laughs> right, well, it's, it's kind of like a cheaper version of, you know, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is to convince yeah. people that he didn't exist. And it's like, okay. It's okay, this... Uh, 
Santa Maria statue will protect us because <laughs> the lights are on there. Uh, so are those lights holy? Because the demons can turn off all the other lights. I didn't know you could bless lights. <laughs> Somewhere there's a demon going, Demons! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Illumitus couldn't turn off the lights. Oh, and uh, so there's the... That's really not going to help. Are right, you sure? Just fire a few rounds. <laughs> but, so he just wrapped his hand in that uh, shroud I was telling you about. Yes. Close your eyes. Why? The light from the Holy Virgin Mary. Even that light went out. Uh, and so right here, you can actually see one of them fly off right there. He flies away. Mm -hmm. That's supposed to come out back at the end. Oh. At the end of the movie when he's on the roof in, in the novelization that demon comes back and he shoots it and it's like he was up there he's just trying to lure it to him or something which is fucking dumb <laughs> but it's just weird that you see that demon fly off and there's no payoff for that well and a lot of what is supposed to be scary in this movie and i'm gonna date myself here but it's just it's cgi yeah like the demon that is stuck in the little girl this older yeah, exactly. demon i mean you look at it and you're like it's not scary it's it's a pastiche yeah. Demons. Dun, dun, dun. supposed to be here. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> wait, uh, wait, we're going to see when he says that he's going to go to hell. Right here. That's another thing that we'll need to talk about, the fucking suicide subplot. Yes. Like it's the fucking 1450s or something. She, she's in hell. <laughs> <laughs> silent bus. Yeah, no, a, a silent vehicle. Yeah. So yeah, there's a whole thing about he like her sister committing suicide and going to hell. Like I'm pretty, I think it was Vatican II got rid of that dogma. Yeah, by by now that should not be a thing anymore. Yeah, exactly. Because there's things like you know mental illness, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, fuck it, you can take Ambien and kill yourself. You know, like that's one of the side effects of Ambien is. <laughs> is uh, suicidal tendencies or whatever. I know two people who have killed themselves because they've been on Ambien. Mm. <laughs> so, like, does that... But but by the logic of this movie, like, that that doesn't get factored in, you know? Like, that's fucking dumb. That is dumb. <laughs> that is dumb. Well, and it's... Maybe I'm taking this too far, but it's kind of funny, too, that Rachel Wise's character being such a devout Catholic and... She really believes that if her sister committed suicide, she will go to hell. But then when Constantine starts to introduce these other elements, you know, that actually exist in the uh, infrastructure of Catholicism, she's like, no, no, that's impossible. Well, so, and also, if she was such a devout Catholic, uh, she would have known. Like, like, again, this is like Catholicism, like... 200 years ago. Right. <laughs> it's right. just such a weird, like, it, it, it's so weird that they, they, they tied this movie to the star of Catholicism, but it's clearly not written by a Catholic. <laughs> I went to Catholic school for six years and I'm not even Catholic. And I, I know all of this way better than whoever wrote this movie. They should have talked to you. There's that scene when, when John's talking to Gabriel and she's talking to the priest and he's like, sorry, we can't bury her in the, in the cemetery because she committed suicide. Like, that's not a fucking thing. <laughs> no, no. So I guess they just, well, I was going to say, well, maybe they should have said it in an earlier time period and yeah. now too much money probably. Oh, yeah, and that's how to get to hell. You put your feet in water and you look at a cat. I did that with my cat last night and it didn't work. I was very disappointed. 
Are you sure? Look outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, maybe, maybe. Currently in the midst of a, like, uh, what, multi-state forest fire that's, like, devastating half of the country. <laughs> <laughs> the sun is blood red in the sky. Yeah. Yeah, it looks pretty much like the hell in here. So, he's about to go to hell. <laughs> Very slowly go to yeah. hell. Yeah, apparently time stops. So, yeah, right here, when, when you see hell, pulls back... It's supposed to be modeled on, um, oh, like, nuclear test footage, mm. you know, of, like, cities being wiped out by nuclear bomb. To me, it looks like in, in the comics, that same storyline where he kills Papa Midnight, Papa Midnight sends his spirit to hell while his body is just, like, uh, like a drooling, uh, like, drooling a comatose <laughs> in the real world. Uh-huh. So his mind gets stuck in hell, and hell is just the U.S., and he's forced to, like, walk across it with with uh, um, JFK. Really? <laughs> Who's like holding his brains into his head. Oh. Of, yeah. And it's, it's a really weird story. It's written by Garth Ennis with art by Steve Dillon. And so when I first saw this, I was like, oh, that's cool. Cause it's, it's like the top topography is like wherever you're at in, in on earth, that's where you're at in hell. Mm. And it's almost kind of like that is in the comic, but in the comic, like that's just one section of hell. Like hell is far more massive than earth, which is a thing that on, on in the movie, that's kind of what they say, is that wherever you are on Earth, that's where you're at in hell. But that doesn't make any sense because there's way more people who have died over the, you know, thousands, millions of years <laughs> that could fit on, like, the planet Earth right now. <laughs> yes, yes. And, I mean, I, I like the concept, but um, hell is just kind of a little underwhelming here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's really boring. It is. And the, the demons especially are really boring. Yes. They they just they look like those creatures in uh uh I am legend but with just half a head. Right. They're not scary. Yeah. They're not scary. The idea the director said and that's funny too because I am legend was directed by Francis Lawrence. Oh. Uh-huh. Um the idea he said was that the demons were supposed to be mindless. So they did that by literally hacking their heads off. <laughs> okay. So they half heads. Like I get that but a mindless pumpkin head looking creature like that is way less scary to me than like a visceral, like weird looking demon that is intelligent. (laughs) Right. Right. Like how creepy would it be? And, and again, maybe dating myself here. Like what if you had a sentient speaking pumpkin head designed by, uh, help me out. Same guy. Stan Winston. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But it's just, I don't know. There's just something, something very safe about everything kill herself. What? Dun dun dun. And she's damned for it. Cause this is this is two thousand and six set in uh, nineteen fifty. <laughs> this part, the cut right here. Coming, coming. Uh, right. I need Wait to eat. It. it cuts to fucking hell. This is a lot longer than I thought it was. Oh, there was ah. an error in continuity, though. What? You see that? As it, as it backed out, the, the pan of water is gone. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. So, here's... so right here, when he, when he goes into the uh, morgue, he is, like, steamy. Like, you can see steam rising off of his body. Yeah. And they actually did that for real. Because it's all filmed in L.A. Everyone's wearing, like, four layers of clothing. Oof. And... Pruitt Taylor Vince is like, you know, 300 pounds. They had him go out in the parking lot and just run laps 
and then walked him into a real morgue (laughs) so that he naturally steamed when he walked in. (laughs) Poor guy. I think it's when he touches the body and it like zooms into his head. Oh, see how she really died? Because what's the time frame here? Like, so many hours from her death. Is this, like, 24 hours? I don't know. When does any of this take place in the movie? Who knows? (laughs) Does the movie know? I don't know. Is he in hell right now? Is that two days ago? There's a steam. Uh Aha! Oh, yeah. Steamy bastard. He is! (laughs) That's all real! (laughs) Just like a bucket of steamer clams. I could have gotten dry ice to put under his collar or something. No, fuck that. (laughs) You run! run. (laughs) For your craft. He's been in a ton of stuff, too. Taylor Vince. Can you give me some more? I know I've seen him before, but I He was on Deadwood. He was in the movie Identity with uh, John Cusack. Yes, yeah. I just saw him not too long ago in the movie Mississippi Burning. Oh, he's in that? He's like 25 in it and like young and has a full head of hair. Really? Yeah. Oh, there's no booze. What are you doing in here? Um, I remember arguing with my friend Bear about this when he drinks the booze here. Bear thought that he was not actually drinking it. Like, yes, he is. He just can't see it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's his own perception is being skewed because he really needs a drink, but he's not not, uh, realizing that he is drinking. Because right there, like, there's nothing, and he puts it back, and it spills out. Right, exactly, exactly. And this is probably a nitpick, but the idea is that he drinks himself to death. Yeah. Seems like, you know, yeah, he should be pretty... <laughs> I mean, he's, he's an alcoholic, and uh, he's a big fella. So I feel like he could probably get through a couple bottles yes. without, uh, without really... And it's a pretty quick time frame, so without even feeling it. Maybe, there, maybe there's magic. Maybe the, the Balthazar here is... Uh, Making the alcohol more pungent. <laughs> Controlling kidney function. It's like, no, it's it's in the Bible, man. He can turn water into wine, probably. So he he's turning his blood in, into vodka. Yes. yes. That, that kind of sounds like fun to me in terms of abilities, you know? If you're going to go there, go there. This death is loosely inspired by the first issue of Hellblazer, where uh, this hunger demon named Nemeth makes the, a dude... Um, gorge himself on food it's like the same thing where the guy's eating but he's not processing it oh. he's just eating and eating and eating and he ends up like choking <clears throat> that's terrifying yeah. that storyline was adapted to the TV series Constantine an episode I can't remember the name of it but it's a pretty pretty direct adaptation of that first issue of Hellblazer okay okay yeah that would have been an interesting Interesting way to Evidently they girl. didn't do... Ah, oh, there we go. Man, that scene of the eggs. God, that always gets me hungry. <laughs> I fucking love fried eggs. It looks good. He's eating pancakes. I don't even really usually eat pancakes when I go to diners, but seeing that makes me, makes me want to... This is such a dumb backstory for Constantine also. Because it, it takes the power away from him. It makes it so he's accidentally accessed these abilities and that he's stuck with them. Whereas in the comics, it was literally like, hey, I'd, I'd like to learn magic. And indeed, he did. <laughs> and because of, it, because of his addictive personality, that complete, like he couldn't stop. And that would be more interesting in my mind because that would actually, I would think as you know, the devil or a demon, I would be more annoyed 
by a human who dared have the arrogance to stick their foot into my world than this lazy, he's the one storyline. Yeah, exactly. That scene of the of the uh, ambulance driving away as the nuclear bomb looking thing hits, that was in the international trailer for this movie. And when it showed, like it started with that and there was a narration by John saying, I've seen hell blaze through these streets. Oh. Which is actually a line in one of the volumes of the comic, but it sounds weird. Like the way he said it, it was very like operatic, gunslingerish <laughs> yeah. kind of. Huh. Well, did they? Uh, I'm assuming they released the same version worldwide. Yeah, there's only yeah, there's yeah. only one version of the movie. Okay. I've toyed with the idea of doing a fan edit. There's this movie called The Possession, with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and the climax. It's about a it's. One of those air quotes based on a true story horror movies. It's not (laughs) (laughs) about this fucking like like uh, demon or genie or something that lives in a little wooden box, and it ends in a hospital uh, hydrotherapy room, just like this movie. (laughs) And I've been wanting to like somehow find a way to cut them together and like make one. I don't know decent movie out of these two shitty ones but I never had it work <laughs> maybe someday maybe someday yeah I don't know. I'm probably just gonna give up <laughs> right the wagon so to speak. I, I, I watched them back to back a few years ago because I really wanted to make it work but I just other than the setting there's no connection <laughs> other than the setting and the fact that they're both like vaguely supernatural movies I can't I can't get any through line with them my friend my friend and I bear uh, we're really into film editing and we've done a few fan edits of movies before. And he has been, for years, talking about this ultimate fan edit he wants to make called Nicolas Cage Needs Money. And it would be a fan edit of the movie Next, Ghost Rider, Wicker Man, and maybe one other. I can't remember. Just all of them edited together. And he even had, like, like he and I, like, spitballed this one afternoon. We had, like, a through line of all those movies and how they connect and how to, how to get in there, like, Wicker Man would be uh, future, Ghost Rider would be a flashback, and it would be, like, a vision that he sees in Next, and I don't know, it was fucking dumb, but <laughs> it would have been hilarious if we ever got that to work. <laughs> Hilariously dumb. I'd watch it. Yeah. Why not? Oh, you big dumb bastard. And what is that symbol supposed to be again? I don't know. <laughs> that actual symbol is, what is that? Uh, it's, um, it's like the try something. I don't know. I think it's like an Irish symbol. Are you talking about the one on his on his necklace? necklace. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just some. I can't remember. It's got a name, but it's one of those like you see people with that tattoo and shit. It's one of those you see it everywhere. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is it the Holy Trinity? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah. uh, that's the symbol of Maman, which doesn't actually look like the one that they show later. It also doesn't look anything like what he was actually carving into his hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you can't remember when you're dying from alcohol poisoning. Give the best rendition you can. One of the things I hate about where everyone lives in this movie is they look like sets. Well, and plus they're in L.A. Like, I have, I know people in L.A. who would murder someone for this real estate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe it's cursed, and that's why. Dun, dun, dun. There's actually a Hellblazer comic in 
was towards the end of the run, so it was probably like 2012 or so, where John gets married to this woman named Epiphany Greaves, and they're going to buy a house or a flat or something, and they go to this place, and the realtor's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is our, you know, you can get it for this price. It's pretty low comparatively. And John goes in, and he's like, oh, you know what? This place is cursed. And he's like, yeah, there's a, there was a murder here. And he starts, like, pretending to see visions. He's like, yeah, the fucking guy stabbed this chick over there. And I'm like, yeah, this place, you're never going to be able to sell this place. There's ghosts here. You better just give it to us for less. And the guy's like, are you kidding me? People love haunted shit. I can double the price now. And John's like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> that particular con didn't work yeah, out. exactly. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's the way it is now. Like, if you say something's haunted, everyone would want to live there. Right, right, exactly. Okay, now, um, I guess this is the this is the other thing I don't get about this movie is that I'm still not entirely sure how Isabel and whatever Rachel Wise, Rachel Wise yeah. yeah, other characters, Rachel Wise playing the character Rachel Wise, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm still not entirely sure how they fit into the story, like what they're supposed to be the channel for yeah. or what they're supposed to instigate. Exactly. It doesn't, it's not really explained in the original script or one of the drafts of the script. Um, Maman, the villain or whatever, the son of the devil. So that was originally Balthazar, that character mm-hmm. was originally the big bad guy. When you think about that, then it makes sense why he's there. <laughs> but in this version of the movie, he has no purpose. He's just vaguely antagonistic in a couple scenes, and then he dies. Um, so in the original version, he was the big bad guy, and he was specifically killing psychics because he could use their, like, souls, like the psychic residue in their souls to somehow build a bridge from hell to, to earth to then, like, have his army invade or whatever. Okay. And, I mean, it's fucking dumb, but at least that makes sense. It does, yeah, Because <laughs> yeah. I still don't know entirely what she's yeah. meant to be here besides the hot chick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm somehow somehow my sister found out about the fucking devil coming. I don't know. It doesn't it's dumb. <laughs> well, and here's where there would be great to have like probably there's probably a deleted scene that explains this. But that was one of the things that got me about this particular scene where he's challenging her in her sister's um, hospital room. Yeah. It's like he just goes off on her all yeah. of a sudden, like kill me. Yeah. It's like what? Where did that come from? Well, it's supposed to be acting. He's supposed to be pushing her. To get to the point where, like, she's finally letting her guard down and actually thinking about what her sister would say to her or whatever. But it's just, I don't know, it comes across as really weird and stilted. It There's does. There's that in Corinthians. <laughs> There's the Bible in hell. Well, and again, this is probably a minor detail, but they find that, that writing on the window where all they have to do is breathe on it. Yeah. It's like, you're telling me a janitor hasn't been yeah, in that room? <laughs> Like, people who commit suicide in, in these movies and then kind of leave, leave these very loosely interpreted messages, they kind of make them hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> the, fucking, the Bible and hell thing is really dumb to me, too. Like, I, I like the idea of hell having their own mythology as, like, their side of the story, you know? But it's dumb to me that it's just, like, oh, yeah, no, it's just they have more, they have more verses in Corinthians. <laughs> <laughs> like they should have like different books you know and different right. like like oh the book of Azazel says that this blah, blah, the the book of Etrigan <laughs> a, a fun callback but no it's just no Corinthians says like five extra chapters <laughs> 
Exactly. Especially, like, you'd think that there would be a huge rewrite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's pieces of the holy shotgun back there. That, like, clock is what he uses as the cylinder. Oh, okay. Yes, the holy shotgun. We're coming yes, up on the that, are we? holy fucking shotgun. And there's another piece of it over there on the left. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's the cross right <laughs> yes, next to Yes, yes. <laughs> God, it's dumb. <laughs> oh, there's a loophole, though. And where did he get the Bible from hell? Did they ever he say that? Hell and got it. <laughs> there's actually there's a Constantine video game, like an adaptation of this movie, where you actually have to go to hell and like get the Bible out of a fucking library in hell. <laughs> and it's it's kind of interesting because you have to use holy water <clears throat> to go back and forth. Like you go to the library and you can't get in because the door's locked. So you put your feet in water, say a chant to go to hell, and then when you're in hell, the door's blown open. You can walk through, walk a little bit until you get to, oh, there's rubble blocking the way. Let's go back to the real world, and now you're just in a clear hallway. Walk further, oh, there's another locked door. You know, it's like you have to use hell and earth to, to maneuver, which is kind of interesting, but it's, you're, you're stealing a book out of a library at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I th- would think that library and hell might be an interesting concept, but I'm sure it looks much more amazing in my mind than it probably actually does. Yeah, there's, like everything in this movie, and the concept is probably a lot more interesting than the execution. That was a CGI bug in my eye. Oh, owie. Poor man. Is Beeman in the comic books? No. no. The producer, um, was it Laura Schuler Donner produced this? I've gotten this wrong in the past. Got Several producers. Lauren Shuladon. Um, she claims that Beeman is based on the character Gary Lester because when John first meets Gary, he's covered in flies. Oh. But he's not dead. <laughs> he's literally just... Uh, it's the first issue. Um, he unleashed the hunger demon and he's got like flies everywhere like falling around. But other than that, there's really no connection between the two characters. They're very different. Oh, and this poor guy. I totally yeah. forgot that this, that this guy was coming over. That that sign was still also really there. Behind him, it said, got faith. What are the odds? This is a big, crazy country full of Christians, so pretty pretty good, actually. Okay, all right. <laughs> Good point, good point. Shit, I'm pretty sure there's a pro-life billboard right outside of my apartment. <laughs> probably, probably. This line here, I, I like that scene of him like looking out over the city. Something about the way that's shot. Looks very like French New Wave. And also it's how how often do you get to see how often do you get to see certain parts of LA, yeah. so to speak. It's such a LR. There's a line here, what he says. Uh, I think it's right here. Go home, Angela. I need, uh, I don't, uh, fuck, just say it! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. That's a better idea. That's right. Uh, well, stick it, with me and that will change, right? It's right here. Uh, it's I don't need another ghost following me. So in the comics, he has this, like, group of ghosts that are always haunting him. Like, old friends of his that have died. The Newcastle crew and a couple others. And they're just always, like, standing in his periphery, just staring at him and judging him. <laughs> and how cool would it be if we could see that? Yeah. You know? Because, again, like, no offense to Keanu Reeves, I, I think it's totally the way that it's written. Like, if you want to make someone a petulant asshole, like we were discussing, that's fine. Um, 
but there's just so much that maybe they've cut out or they that isn't included where you just I don't know I mean it's like the guy just has a massive chip on his shoulder yeah. and it uh I don't know, it grates after a little while another thing you know we were talking about LA a second ago LA the uh <laughs> setting really bugs me because like John's never been associated with the city of Los Angeles and it was clearly a combination of it's cheaper if we film in LA, so let's just call it LA. And then just the really obvious, like, City of Angels. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's just, ah, it's dumb. <laughs> well, I agree with you. That was a really slick shot. And if you're going to do that, then, you know, own it. Own it. There's, I haven't visited LA extensively, but I've been there enough to know that there's a lot of spots you could go that have that color and vibrancy. Um, and a lot of the palette here is you do occasionally get that shot of color. Like again, that scene of him, you know, standing on the balcony. Um, but a lot of this is, uh, like dusty oranges, yeah. dusty yellows. But hell. And then there's a lot of green in his apartment. And this is anything that bugs me. Look at the, the door frame. Yeah. I was like green peeling paint. Like it's supposed to look old and shit. That looks like it was painted to look old. It does. It was it was like somebody went to a fucking spirit Halloween store and got like the like old wood sticker to put over their door. <laughs> because it looks spooky. <laughs> right. And I'm not sure what all the greens are about. Yeah. I don't like this line either because it's a joke that has no payoff. So do I have to take off? No, um, it's when he talks about walk. Wait, what was it earlier? Shit, I thought it was right here. I'm thinking. <laughs> Which, that's a decent enough joke. It is. Uh, but there's a line where she says something about, I thought it was here. It must have been earlier. Maybe I talked over it. John. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he, she says something about, he says, like, water's the universal conduit. And then he goes, now ask me if there's any water in hell. And there's like there's no payoff to that. <laughs> Is there water? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like that stupid. Oh wait, right here. So oh, my water. Okay. It's universal conduit. Then we get to transition from one plane to another. Now ask me if there's water in hell. Is there water in hell? Wackity schmackity do. Yeah, <laughs> like, okay. Like that's not a joke. I, I, what is what even is, is that? that? <laughs> like obviously he doesn't know. <laughs> Or I would assume, anyway. That's fucking annoying. But anyway, um, uh, was I, I was going to say something else about that. I don't know. Well, and here's an, an... I did hear a little bit of trivia about this part in that um, Rachel Wise said that she had a total freakout because yeah. Keanu Reeves actually held her under the water. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of ruin it with the slow motion busting up of bathtub. <laughs> Well, you see her. You see her do a little bit of that freaking out. Well, it, yeah, exactly. It's very tense at first. Um, oh, but you mean like the way the water, the bathtub like explodes? Yeah. I thought I thought you meant the fact that they cut to a different oh, angle. No, <clears throat> like this is good right here. Yeah. You know where her the last of her air escapes, and then she opens her eyes like you're gonna let me up now, right? And he doesn't. <laughs> Keanu. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we don't know if there's water in hell. <laughs> 
Keanu Reeves, Drowner of Women. <laughs> Puncher of Children. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the... Uh, of course I would forget while we're recording this, but what's the other possession movie that you showed me that is really good? The actor... It's the Oh, A Dark Song. A Dark Song. Yes, yeah. yes. A Dark Song feels like a better Hellblazer movie than this. Yes. And which, By a lot. <laughs> <laughs> for the people who haven't seen that movie, it is really good. Like, just go out and watch it. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a scene very much like this. Yeah. And the aftermath is a lot scarier because you're like, holy shit, he's yeah. killed her. Yeah. And it's, it's a very, like, there is a lot of exposition, but it's done so conversationally that it feels like the kind of conversations and questions that people would really have in that situation. Yes. <clears throat> you feel like you're actually going along with yeah. the character as opposed to just being talked at. And for those for those who haven't seen A Dark Song, A, go see it. But B, it's a story uh, about this woman who hires like an occultist to perform uh, a thelemic ritual with her. Um, and that's really all you need to know going in. But uh, the actual ritual is, is real. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, an actual like transcribed ritual. Whether or not it works, I mean... It doesn't. <laughs> None of this is real. <laughs> sorry, guys. I'm sorry to have to tell you <laughs> that this, <laughs> this fairy tale that so many people believe isn't real. <laughs> Wait, I pop our occultist bubble. <laughs> Who's the actor in A Dark Song? I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, he's awesome. They're yeah. both awesome. He's in Sightseers, that movie, uh, that Ben Wheatley movie that I suggested to you. Yeah, Okay. I'll check out Swarmbin. Alice Lowe. Alice Lowe. Yeah. Okay. They're they're in sightseers. She's the female lead in that movie. <clears throat> she was. Have you ever seen the movie Prevenge? Prevenge. <laughs> yeah. I have not. <laughs> written, directed by, and starring Alice Lowe. Uh, she got pregnant in real life and thought to herself. I'm not going to get any acting jobs for the next nine months. <laughs> so she wrote a movie about a pregnant woman whose unborn baby convinces her to kill people. Really? Like, like, talks to her. <laughs> and so she wrote it, uh, got financing, d- directed and starred in it when she was eight months pregnant. And then, like, the last scene of the movie features her and her real-life newborn baby. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to see it now. It's, it's on Shudder. So now, post bathtub scene. Here's Rachel Wise finding. Oh, there's a deleted scene right here, by the way. Um, there's a deleted bit where she she doesn't find this at first. John goes in, and you know he's like, "Into the light, I command thee." It's a tattoo thing. He tries to do that right here to like reveal who'd been there, and then he has a coughing fit and falls over. And she's like, "Wait a second, I'm fucking psychic." <laughs> <laughs> good that they took that out. Like. And CGI. <laughs> <laughs> Balthazar. I liked it, though, because it made it look like it's a bigger deal when he uses that power later in the movie. Because, oh. like, it was such a toll on him right now that he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So when he brings it up later, it's more, I don't know, more interesting. More dynamic. Oh, he's making his gun. The Holy Shotgun. This is produced by John Peters. John Peters has a thing about superheroes having shit that can break apart. There's so many producers on this. It was not John Peters, but he he tried to get Superman Lives going for a while. 
and he wanted Superman to have a logo that could like break apart into a weapon, <laughs> like a blade. Okay. Yeah. Because that's what Superman needs. John Peters is a, a interesting fella. <laughs> have you ever seen the, Have you ever seen the documentary Death of Superman Lives? I have, no, you told me about it. I haven't watched it yet. You should. There's a long interview with John Peters in it. He seems just as crazy as his as his uh, reputation is. Kind of sounds like the Michael Bay of superheroes, and that you know, more is more. Uh, he's the Michael Bay of Michael Bay. Like he's, <laughs> and he's a producer, so he doesn't actually direct movies. But he's just one of the, like he's everything you think of when you think of like sleazy '80s producer. That's him. Like he's, <laughs> to a T. <tea>. Yeah. <laughs> like he looks like he's been uh, on a steady diet of like. Uh, like expensive steaks and cocaine for the last <laughs> thirty plus years. Blondes, cocaine, and steak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cocaine and fellatio. <laughs> oh well, you know, if you're gonna be a sleazy '80s producer, that's kind of your modus operandi. <laughs> Make you star. <laughs> okay, and here's another. This part right here. Back to the movie real quick. And that's another relationship fake out because yeah. all this time, like with the exception of the little joke about her getting naked, there really hasn't been much chemistry. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're going to kiss. No, we're not. Ready? Here it comes. Here comes <laughs> Gavin Rossdale's ultimate line. <laughs> Fire! I was born of this! Every <laughs> oh. piece of shit. <laughs> um... Uh, there's a there's a deleted scene where he's like John's behind that that uh, he's like climbing the stairs or something to get to that boardroom and you see him like light up the the dragon fire or whatever mm-hmm. with his lighter that's in the trailer actually but I don't think it's actually on the deleted scenes I just remember seeing that oh. and like that's just like how did he know that he was there picking his teeth or whatever <laughs> right right like. Yeah, they just know where one another lives and they occasionally hang out. Well, no, I mean, not even that. Like, how did he know he was in that spot? <laughs> like, literally standing right there so that he could shoot him with his fire. <laughs> Maybe you're just a demon who puts out that kind of vibe, I don't know. Um, he apparently works for, a, like, a big multinational organization called BZR. B-Z-R? Because yeah, his name's Balthazar. Like, I think it's on one of those TVs. I think you can see it in one of the TVs in the background. Or maybe it's in the comic adaptation. I don't remember. <laughs> I've, I've read the novelization of this. I've read the comic book adaptation of this. And I've played the video game adaptation of this. <laughs> and still. <laughs> yeah. So this almost kind of looks cool. His face looks actually a little bit gooey, like that might not be all CGI. Yeah, yeah I, I like the look of that. It gets there, almost. To be welcomed into the kingdom of God. Hmm. So for those of you listening at home... I'm curious if uh, if you could find another uh, '90s, early <clears throat> 2000s singer who should have played. You called him Bally. Bally. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Bally Hard. Like, who else could have played that role? 
I don't know, part of me feels like, well, it has to be Gavin Rosdale because, like you said, he's just chewing scenes like they're convenience yeah. store jerky. BZR, brokerage corporate offices. <laughs> oh, there, there it goes. Yeah. I'm looking at the uh, comic book adaptation. Oh, and that's funny. When he looks at himself in the mirror, he sees the demon. <laughs> he does, yeah. Huh. Well, now after you mentioned... That would have been cool. It would have been very cool. Now that you mentioned, though, the, uh, uh, like, how did he know he was in that room at that particular time? I've got this vision of Constantine just, like, going down the hall with his ear up against yeah, the yeah. wall. <laughs> Do I hear somebody picking their teeth? <laughs> I think he's there! Yeah, this comic book adaptation has some of the deleted scenes put back in. Um, okay. Now, a different introduction to John. Is this... This isn't Vertigo. This is after Vertigo no, went away. It's Vertigo. Is it? This came out in 2005. Oh, 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 okay. That's right. Interesting. My work here is done. I like the idea of the whole fake out here of him, like, getting him to confess because he's going to send him to heaven. But I feel like if you're a demon, like, you'd, you'd probably know that that wouldn't work. <laughs> like, that's so. kind of your fucking job. <laughs> you have one job. Did not read the fine print. Uh, the spear. Okay. Now, I guess, I guess I'm again so very muddled, but it's because I haven't watched this for a long time. What do they need the spear of destiny for? What is that supposed to, to do? To fucking stab the Angela to get the demon out to get the the fucking the devil son out. I guess I don't know. It's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't think too hard about it. That's another thing, is early on when he was like, so like, you know about the Spear of Destiny? She's like, yeah, of course, they talked about it in Sunday school. Like, no, they fucking don't. <laughs> Spear of Destiny isn't actually part of biblical canon. It's, it's just like a, a story that came up hundreds of years later, which is why the Spear, like, the, there, there is no real Spear of Destiny. They claim that there's an artifact of it, but that's not real. Yeah, I... And that's even, like, I'll, I'll be willing to concede that Jesus was probably a real guy. Like, I'll give you that much. But the Spear of Destiny didn't exist. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's so much, yeah, that's a whole other avenue that we could go down. Oh, there's Ellie. Oh, there she is. And, uh, I'm looking at the comic book, by the way, not the movie. Ellie was, <laughs> Ellie was just not, not just on screen real quick. <laughs> um, all right, well, the comic book oh, actually looks Chaz pretty, dies. Oh, yeah. He's different in the comic. He does. He gets uh, Peter Stormare, looking all Peter Stormare. <laughs> they they did a very good job yeah. of that, actually. It does look like Peter Stormare. I like the uh, effect of her getting thrown through the windows and shit here. That is a cool. That is cool. In the novelization, when he's running, he's like trying to think of what could be pulling her. And one of the things he settles on is an air elemental, which from the comics, there's multiple elementals dealing, like, ele elemental is like a spirit that's connected to some one of the elements. And one of them, the plant elemental, is Swamp Thing, that John Constantine oh. has a long history with. Mm -hmm. So I felt like that was a little reference to Swamp Thing, but who knows? It probably was just a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a nice thought. Based on the way this movie was filmed. But then again, that was in the novelization. It was written by a guy named John Shirley, who knows his shit when it comes to Hellblazer. So it probably was a nod yeah. to Swamp Thing. 
Yeah, it's interesting that, um, well, it's, it, again, just how things originally start and how they go through the Hollywood machine and become just pale versions of themselves. Yeah. Screw the balance. <laughs> oh, 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 no, you don't. He's like burning him. I don't get what's happening. Yeah, it looks like he's sticking his fingers up under his... his has got them hot <laughs> fingertips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that would be pretty messy. Oh, play my role, midnight. <laughs> well, you've been imitating Switzerland. People are dying. Uh, yeah, he didn't get them killed, idiot. <laughs> no, yeah, that was you. But I do like the fact that he's shifting the blame there. <laughs> And poor Papa Midnight is sweating here. Yeah. I didn't notice that before. Oh, he's got them hot fingers. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, true. I hate this line. $200 shirt, by the way. There's only John to wear a $200 shirt. <laughs> yeah, like, where does he afford a $200 shirt? And that's assuming he even paid for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, wouldn't it be cool if we saw a little scene of him, like, shoplifting it or yeah. something? Well, in the comics, he either would, like... More than likely, he would, like, convince someone to buy it for him. <laughs> yes, yes. Or, uh, or use some, uh, like, ill-gotten gains to, to buy it. In the, it. in the comics, they explain that he makes his money, or he affords to live, <laughs> by uh, gambling. And just, like, manipulating probability so that he can always win whenever he gets, like, a scratch-off ticket or plays a slot machine or whatever. That nice power. Well, it's not even really a power, is it? Well, no, okay. It's like it's like psychic shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> like riding a bike. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me this isn't about the girl. There's so many lines in here that you're like, yes, this is generic action movie line. Yeah, well, that would make a whole lot more sense if there was any... Ugh, cold. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, it's cold. Right? <laughs> um, I mean, that would make a lot more sense if uh, if there was a relationship there. It would. It would. Can you actually do that with a light bulb? Just break the end and have a... No, you can't, because that's just a little tiny light bulb. You can see in the close-up. Yeah. It's just like a little tiny halogen light or whatever. Like, it's dumb. <laughs> you would probably most likely break the whole thing and be like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I got. <laughs> You have to go to Best Buy, you're in a Best Buy. You have to go to Walmart and get another light bulb. <laughs> and so what's the significance of being able to go to hell in that chair? Is it because it's electric chair? He's not in hell. He's um, he's following the oh, the, the dangerous immigrant. <laughs> the dangerous immigrant. <laughs> Such a weird subplot for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't really a subplot for this, is it? This? Well, no, the whole dangerous immigrant. Well, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> It's literally a Mexican dude sneaking over the border, spreading disease as he goes, <laughs> and, like, robbing people of their possessions, and then trying to end the world. Like, trying to end Western civilization. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, I don't, intentional or not, that's pretty problematic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's some, like, weighted words, too. Like, John talks about fighting demons by saying he's deporting them. There's a really weird undercurrent that I don't really like. No. And I pointed that out to Bear, and he goes, he goes, yeah, but the Mexican guy is like the, the vessel, but he's being manipulated by, by Gabriel, like a, like a lily-white 
um, whatever. Uh, authoritarian. Yeah, figure. authoritarian, uh, like rich, you know, white person. Like, yeah, I get that, but the optics of, of it still just doesn't sit right. Yeah, <laughs> if, if that had actually been addressed and been like, you know, like some rich white person manipulating a poor brown person into doing something bad or whatever, like if that had actually been discussed and or gone into, then I would have maybe given them cre- credit. But at the end of the day, you're watching a Mexican guy, uh, you know, uh, literally breaking over the border, climbing the border, and then spreading disease and death. <laughs> Invading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Inv- exactly. That's what it feels like. And it just it doesn't feel right to me. I don't, I don't like that. Well, and this is 2005, too, where I'm sure the casting directors were like, we have a black person. That's all the minorities we need. <laughs> One heroic black guy. Not that. So because of that, based on the transitive property... <laughs> If you have one heroic black guy, you can have at least two or three villainous Mexicans. <laughs> Never speak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So really, they're they're really ahead of the curve when you think of it that way. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh. So now, are they back at Papa Midnight's here? Yeah. Okay. Fuck off. He's like, come on. He's <laughs> like, don't bother. He does it anyway. I wish Papa would have, like, gone with him. It would have been better. So much more badass. Yeah. Instead of actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> you know, the thought of Shia LaBeouf running at me on all fours is much more terrifying than anything in this movie. <laughs> and that, that's it that we, for Papa Midnight, isn't it? Yeah, he doesn't come back. Yeah. Which, I mean, he's not a huge character in the comic, but he's important. And I guess he's important enough in the movie, but... It just, it feels like when you get Jaimon Hansu, you want to use him more than just the two scenes he has. Right. Later, when she's shooting at the Mexican, <laughs> again, police officer, gun drawn, shooting at somebody just walking towards her. <laughs> An unarmed yeah. brown person. Ooh. Optics, again, <laughs> don't like it. And it, yeah, but anyway, later when she's when she's shooting at him, she fires like thirty shots because <laughs> you can just hear it in the background. <laughs> like how many bullets are in that gun? Yeah. Okay. It's not always like it is in the books. Yeah, sometimes it's way way worse. <laughs> so the hospital here is called Raven Scar. I don't can't remember if I brought that up or not. Raven Scar is the name of the mental institution that John is uh, institutionalized at in the comics. Okay. What storyline is that? The, it's after Newcastle. It happens before the first issue. Just shoot him! Shoot the brown person! God, that's weird! I don't like it! <laughs> well, and again, you'd think of... I mean, this, again, might be a minor nitpick to some, but considering what she now knows about this other world, you'd think that John would give her something of which to protect herself. He did. He gave her that necklace, and then she lost it. Oh, was, where, where'd she lose it? I missed that she, part. She took off her coat, and it looked like the camera pans down to it being like in her coat or something. It oh. like, falls off. Yeah. It's, just, it's dumb. It is dumb. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, they, they both really dropped the ball on that one. They did. I like to think that John, like... Because Chaz has a shotgun here, too. I like to think that John just gave him a regular shotgun with regular bullets. And he's like, yeah, go ahead, go for it, kid. That'll totally kill the bad guys. <laughs> well, he might as well have. 
And then he can, he'll like just run off. Guys, get him though. He's the he's the dude that's trying to kill you. I'm on your side. Sorry, Chess. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be more befitting of his character, right? Yeah, maybe. A little bit. I'm silly for Chaz, though. Because they're... Chaz, is it safe to say that Chaz is probably his best friend out of... I don't know. I mean, he doesn't really have a best friend, but Chaz is the only one. See, those just are regular shotgun shells. I don't know. Chaz is uh, the only one, only one of his friends to survive. Chaz is in quite a bit of the comic book, and he, he uh, makes it through all the way to the end. I don't know about the whole rebirth or uh, New 52 Constantine shit. I'm just talking about the Hellblazer, okay. the Vertigo. Uh, Chaz is there in the beginning and he's there in the end. And this scene is actually kind of clever. Yeah. <laughs> deport. He said deport. <laughs> I will deport you. I don't... There's a couple things about it that don't quite work. Um, they don't explain how... Holy water hurts them because it doesn't seem to kill them. So then, what the hell's the point? And in, again, in the novelization, it explains that it. Uh, there's Bridget Monahan or uh, Michelle. 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 Yes. Um, it explains that it like breaches their outer layers. That like the the natural demonic side comes out, and then that's easier to kill. Okay. Okay. Uh, um. I don't know, that's one little plot point that I'm willing to take on faith because supernatural evil, holy water. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get it. Um, except, again, like, it's kind of a clever concept, but everything looks so fake yeah. that um, nothing, feel, yeah, nothing feels visceral. Yeah. Like, how much fun would it be to see him covered in you know, demon remnants? Yeah. There's also a deleted bit with Michelle Monaghan right here. Where she's hiding under a table, and he turns the gun on her, and she looks at him, and then he raises it and lets her run out. To be continued in the sequel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the novelization also explains that she survives because when holy water hits the ground, it deconsecrates. Okay. So she survives by hiding under the table, and she like crawls out on the ground so it doesn't hurt her as much. See, that seems more complicated to me. Yeah, like. it's all more complicated. <laughs> it's all dumb. <laughs> all complicated, all dumb. And he's the big bad guy who looks like the other guys, but he walks on two legs. I don't... <laughs> he's got better posture. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't look scary. It does not. It doesn't. It Again, it just looks like so much... It looks like the big bad at the end of a video game, maybe. Yeah, well, not even the big bad. It looks like one of the creatures from... from uh, Again, like I said before, it looks like one of the creatures from I Am Legend. Yeah. Which also aren't scary. <laughs> no. There was, uh, again, there's a couple moments with the demon, like with Balthazar, when his, you know, his face is getting burned. Yeah, off. when they actually use prosthetics, I think it looks fine. Yeah, like the last demon he kills that runs up on him and smiles at him with that huge rictus yeah. grin, that looked like it might have been some practical mix. a flashlight on there? <laughs> it dawned on me. <laughs> It's holy yeah. shotgun, should it it's not? The holy flashlight. <laughs> well, you know, just got to be prepared for any situation. I feel like there was an explanation for that. Either maybe I'm just inventing it in my mind. Because remember at the beginning when he holds up the shit, the the his key ring, and he pulls out that like little talisman and holds up the light, and then it like shines on the demon. She's like, ah! I feel like that was like a like a shadow puppet thing or something on a shotgun. Like he could slot those little talismans in front of the flashlight 
Oh, that would be cool. Like a little bat signal. <laughs> See, that's actually a good idea. Yeah. I've, I might just be inventing that in my mind, but I feel like I saw that in like a, not in a deleted scene or anything, but in like a like wizard magazine or something like, here's the specs on the holy shotgun. <laughs> well, even if you did make it up, it's still a better idea than... It's canon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In the novelization, when he's going through his keys and shit, they specifically mention that he has a Ralph's Frequent Shopper card on his key ring. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of funny. More moments like that. So, has she's been exercised, but no? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. We're coming near the end here, Oh, no, it's in my tummy now. (laughs) What is it? It's that breakfast taco truck. Shouldn't eat those eggs from that <laughs> dude's uh, vendor. Whatever. All night kitchen. Twenty-four yeah. hour diner. <laughs> and yeah, just again, so like bad special effects. I mean, if you think about, they're just pushing on it. Like that's gonna help. <laughs> exactly. That's no, fine. I got it. Let me just. <laughs> Have some Pepto Bismol, you'll be fine. Palm your tummy, <laughs> and then we'll get the demon out. All right, Chaz got it. There you go. They what? change his name too. That bugs me. In the comics, his name is Chaz Chandler. In the movie, it's Chaz Kramer. Oh, that's right. Why'd they change it? Because in the comics, his real name is Franklin Chandler, and John calls him Chaz because that is Chaz Chandler was, I believe, Jimi Hendrix's manager. So it's just a joke. Okay. Like, you have the same last name, so it calls him Chaz. Whereas in the movie, there may be, like, a rights issue. I, I Just speculating with that name, since that is a person's name. <laughs> but it more often, or more likely, it's just that people aren't going to get the reference. So <laughs> change his last name. Well, like, and even if, they, even if they don't get the reference, it's like... Yeah. It's still his name. Yeah. You hear that? I'm Chaz Kramer, and I'm not bad. <laughs> <laughs> And then... I remember sitting in the theater getting to this part and I was like, fuck you! <laughs> like, as much as I hate that character, the only defining thing... Well, not the, the biggest defining thing between John and him is that Chaz never dies. Mm-hmm. Well, if they didn't kill him here, then they wouldn't have a chance to resurrect him as a half-breed, would yeah. they? Which <laughs> so many people who've seen this movie... They're like, what was that thing at the end? Like, why? So he was an angel the whole time, or what? I'm like, you have to read the novelization to get it. It's fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and even when you get it, you still won't be yeah. satisfied. <sighs> oh, here we go. Here we go. So this tattoo is like an alchemical symbol. It's called the Perfect Red King. It's a real thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Alchemy, so <laughs> I don't know what it means. But when it when the movie came out, my friend Bear sent me an email that like linked to this page that had a whole explanation about that tattoo. And I don't remember it now. I'm pretty sure that website isn't around anymore. Into the light, I command thee. Now Gabriel is like that's all woman. Like she doesn't look anything like a guy now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> She's got she even her, has a paint on her, like, like glittery paint on her toenails. She and does. Toenails. Yes, she has a pedicure. Yeah. She's ready for her Vogue shoot here. And I, again, like, she looks fucking gorgeous. I don't have any... 
complaints with her. It's just, it's funny to me that, again, it's supposed to be, uh, um, androgynous. Yeah, it's supposed to be androgynous and it's just not. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You know, she's wearing, uh, a bunch of, uh, hospital bracelets. Yeah, hospital bracelets. Kind of like Isabel was earlier. So I wonder if, like, those are other people that she tricked into killing themselves. <laughs> I like that. That, like, yeah, that would be an interesting little explanation. It just dawned on me. I wonder if that's what that is. Yeah, it is the perfect red king oh, symbol. Oh, there you have it. It's funny because it's like a, it's a cool symbol, and like like there, that would be a cool thing for a necklace or a charm bracelet or something. Where I would never have anything with that on it because it's just this movie now. True. Like it's yeah. no longer an alchemical symbol. It's from the movie Constantine. <laughs> yes, it's like. Um, my brother is really into uh, Norse mythology, yeah. and years ago he got a, a Mjolnir tattoo, yeah. and he hates the Marvel movies. Yeah. Guess what everyone says when they see that tattoo now? <laughs> like, oh, you like Thor? And he's like, no. <laughs> well, it could be worse, since so much of the Norse iconography has been co-opted by white supremacists. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, don't ruin the, the fun for everybody else, yeah. guys. Those pants. I think I used to have a pair of pants like oh, yeah. that from Hot Topic. <laughs> she that like dual tank top she's got on reminds me of uh, oh Battlestar Galactica. Oh, they all had like the gray tank tops with the black tank tops over them. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. I have. It's been a long time. I like her gold eyes too. That looks cool. But anyway, that's clearly like that's she. She's just a woman. She's a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just call it like we see it. Yeah. And I don't know why that bugs me so much. I guess it's because, again, in the expanded media, like the novelization, and I think in the comic book, they refer to Gabriel as a dude, whereas I can't, I can't see her and not just think it's a woman. Yeah, good point. And I, again, it's, it's weird that I'm so hung up on that because I don't care either way. <laughs> I, I totally accept Gabriel being a woman. Like, it, it's not like it's a requirement that angels have to be guys. <laughs> no. No, but... Um, or half-breeds in this instance. <laughs> uh, but, um, uh, what? oh gosh, what's the movie where she actually played a guy? Orlando? Oh, Orlando, yes. Well, again, Orlando was intersex. She goes back and forth. True. She, she he goes, like, sometimes she's a guy, sometimes she's... Sometimes a he's a guy, sometimes she's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... At least in my opinion, anyway, in that movie, like, when she plays a man, I think she looks like a 16-year-old, 16th century dude. Yeah. That's a really good... I need to rewatch Orlando. I have it. That's a good one. Orlando is a member of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in later volumes. Really? Yep. I don't know how I missed that. I need to go back and read that again. Well, the first few volumes are Vertigo Comics. <laughs> They've been republished as Vertigo. They weren't originally. Have to come back to that one. All right, so remind me one more time. What's Gabriel's master plan here? She brings forth the son of the devil and... Be, to prove or to make humanity worthy of God's love. Like, she pisses her off that God loves humans more than angels who are, uh, who are inherently, like, you know, angels give everything to God or whatever. And humans can choose to turn their back on him and blah, blah, blah. So she brings about, like, hell on earth and only the 
truly just and worthy will rise to the top or something. I think that's what she said. I'm not really paying attention right now. <laughs> I don't. You drifted away. I, don't, I don't like the end of this movie. <laughs> and like, look at that. So he just cut his wrists. First of all, he went across the wrist, which means he's not going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to get a scab over before you actually die. <laughs> but uh, there's not nearly enough blood on the ground for him to, to, to die. All right. There's like, there's like there's a couple, a yeah, there's a couple little puddles. And uh, you watch some of the blood kind of like drain over to his, I think it's across his watch face or something in a minute. Yeah, there you go. And like that's a bigger puddle than there was a minute ago. But then when it cuts back, there's just like a little couple trails of blood. Like, again, not nearly enough to kill you. And certainly not in the time frame that he has. Continuity. If you cut your wrists, you know, and again, if you go down the wrists instead of across, you will die eventually. But it takes a long time to bleed out from that. There's a lot of blood in your body. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the one, like, well, not one, there's plenty, but, like, that particular method of suicide just sounds so painful to me. Have you ever seen the movie Rules of Attraction? It's been a long time, but yes. There's a scene where you watch a woman cut her wrists in a bathtub, and you don't really see much of that. You see her, like, push the razor in, and that's it. But... (laughs) It's just an insane close-up of her face as she's, like, slowly drifting away. And that's, like, the most painful scene I've ever seen in a movie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it just kind of makes me a little bit nauseous. Hey, there's Peter Stormare as the devil. Yay! Another bright spot. I mean, ideally, like you said before, perhaps maybe this should have been... Maybe should have switched around. But for the material that he's working with, he's doing a... He's doing a great job. Do you know why he has goo on his feet? Why does he have goo on his feet? Uh, because when First of the Fallen is introduced after John kills himself in the comics, he like lowers down and you just see his feet drift in the frame and they're dripping with blood. Ooh. And they just uh, lazily stole that image from the movie <laughs> when they introduce him. I mean, that's, that's logistically why. I think in the novelization they explain that he has to put like... like tar from hell on his feet so he can walk on earth which is dumb and when he's sitting on the chair he doesn't have tar on his butt right <laughs> like does he have to lube up before he yeah. goes to the surface i mean yeah i thought they just did it because it looks cool and you know scary scary here comes the devil yeah and again like logistically it's just because that was the image in the comic but in the in the comic it's because he's all he's got like a thorn bush like wrapped around him so he's just like constantly bleeding well, he also changes his form a bunch when he's doing this scene in the movie. I mean, in the book. I also hate this. So in the, in the comics, the way John gets his cancer cured is he sells his soul to the three ruling members of hell. He sells his soul to Azazel, Beelzebub, and the First of the Fallen. Or no, First of the Fallen already has a claim to his soul. So... Sells it, or he sells it to those two uh, to get out of having to give it to the first. After he sells him, slashes his wrists to kill himself, they all three come to claim him at the same time and realize that they all three have a valid claim on his soul. And if they all claim it, that's going to per, uh, plunge hell into an unending civil war. And it's just going to decimate the realm. So they all three agree that because of that he can't die. So, First of the Fallen gets rid of his uh, um, lung cancer and brings it back to life. And then 
First of the Fallen says something like, you know, one of these days you're going to fuck up and I'm going to come back here and I'm going to get you, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, the way I see it, you have to let me live as long as you possibly can. <laughs> and so, like, he cons all three of them. In this, he kills himself as, like, a last dish, like, oh, fuck, I don't know what to do. I'll just kill myself and get the devil down here to sort it out. And then he's about to go to heaven because he sacrifices himself or whatever. And the devil pulls him back and is like, no, you have to stay on Earth. So he fucking loses. <laughs> he does. He does. Yeah, it would have been much more... Uh, well, it just would have been fun to see that trickery. Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing about John is he rarely actually uses magic or sorcery. It's all about the reputation of magic, or his reputation using magic, and his ability to con people. You know, he can read the room and uh, get what he wants out of somebody by just talking to them, opposed to using magic. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot harder and and uh, <laughs> just more interesting. Yeah. How come the devil looks normal there, but the son of the devil doesn't? Right, <laughs> right. I don't know. Little horn. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. <Mr>. Clean. <laughs> I do like that line, though. I do miss the old names. Uh, Looks like someone doesn't have your back anymore. <laughs> he's Swedish, isn't he? I think so. He's yes. Swedish. He's in a TV show called Swedish Dicks. <laughs> I really want to see it. It hasn't aired here. But it's got like 40 episodes or something. And Keanu Reeves is in a bunch of them. Really? Yeah. I really want to fucking see it. Apparently it's hilarious. Huh, okay. Alright, we have a... Uh, slick CGI fall back into hell. Singes her wings off. Again, there, there's <laughs> a like, lot of water. It is, yeah. Yeah, like same with the bathtub, too. It's just like this geyser of water, and it's like, damn. Oh, you still got the fingerprints from Papa Midnight on his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> a $200 shirt. Look at the blood! Look at that! Yes, yes! That's a, that's a fucking cut thumb like that's <laughs> continuity that's error a bloody yeah. nose well it's not even continuity error it's just them not so this movie was clearly filmed for pg-13 yeah and then right. it got an r rating mm-hmm. and i don't think they were expecting that but they were like we'll just lean into it and be like yeah this movie's fucking intense because it's r rated it has one f word in it and like a little bit of blood <laughs> yeah it doesn't make any sense that this movie is r-rated yeah. I mean, and that's, I guess, what's disappointing about it, because if it's going to be R-rated, like, turn it up to 11, right? It's like the animated movie Justice League Dark, uh, which has John Constantine in it. When it was released, it was rated R when it came out. And That movie's rated R? Yeah, it was very clearly just Warner Brothers being like, we'll rate it R, because it'll be, like, extreme and blah, blah, blah. And the director of it goes, wow, I wish I would have known I was making an R-rated movie when I was actually making it. <laughs> Because there's nothing about that movie that's R-rated. John, no. does, John doesn't even smoke in it. <laughs> well, and besides the killing joke, that's the only other DC animated... Well, excuse me, a Batman Mask of the Phantasm. But of the more recent DC animated films, that's the only one I've seen. Oh, is Justice League Dark. And yeah, yeah there's... not a good one. <laughs> no, there's nothing in there that... There's a sequel called Justice League Dark Apocalypse War that's rated R as well that earns it. <laughs> but the sequel is fucking terrible. Like, worse than the original, and I did not like the original Justice League Dark. But imagine Avengers uh, Endgame, but with, like, occasional fucks thrown in, and 
just an obscene amount of gore and like no no joy. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally the same plot as Endgame. At one point, John Constantine comments that fifty percent of all life is gone. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Mm. Excuse me. That maybe sounds like it was a rushed project, perhaps. I don't. Well, I don't know. It came out this year, so it was probably like, like uh, as soon as as soon as Endgame was was in the works, they were like, "We gotta, we gotta get on this. Get that I mean, Marvel money. Yeah, milk this Marvel cash cow." <laughs> and here we go into the Silver City. The ascent to heaven. Peter Stormart does not look happy. Probably besides Gavin Rosdale, Peter Stormart is the only other person here that's like, yeah, I'm going to chew this like bubblicious. In the novelization right here, it's claimed that that's not John flipping off the devil. Um, that like God is speaking through Constantine to flip him off. <laughs> God, that's dumb. Yeah, like, why can't John just flip him? John's flipped him off before in the comic. <laughs> Yeah, like, no, no offense to the novelization. I would like to read it, but from the way you've described some parts, it sounds like maybe it's the one fan who's like, oh, no, 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 this is why this makes sense. And then you listen to it, and you're like, no, that still doesn't make sense. Overall, I'd say it's better than the movie, but that one bit was dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, a lot of, oh, there's actually a scene in the novelization where when he's going to kill all those half-breeds with the shotgun, there's a scene where John is talking about all the things that he's done in his life and or he's thinking to himself but like all of his past loves and he talks about like characters from the comic like Kit Ryan and uh, um, I can't remember other people <laughs> and he talks about the Newcastle crew and all that and then he talks about I know like never mind it's a different one but anyway all that's in the in the novelization so it's like a reference to all the shit that happened in the comics but then in another Hellblazer novel written by John Shirley that's set in the comic continuity, there's a line where John talks about multiple universes and he said that he one time, like, you know, looking into the multiverse, he discovered that there's another John Constantine in, a, in another Earth, but this chap lives in America and has black hair. <laughs> Which, that, this movie John Constantine showed up in the new uh, DC Black Label Hellblazer comic. At the beginning of it, it's all about, like, multiverses as well. And, like, the original Constantine from the old comic uh, comes and talks to the Constantine from Books of Magic. And as he's talking and, like, explaining why he's there and kind of the uh, other, uh, like, universes, he talks about, um, or, like, sorry, they show an image of uh, other universes and like they show like blonde john constantine and constantine from the new 52 and constantine from the reboot and then uh you see uh what's very clearly the uh movie constantine ah there he is oh, <laughs> yes hello there <laughs> oh, well you gotta make it work somehow i suppose i'd, I'd accept this as an other universe john more than direct adaptation oh that would be a i don't know though i always feel like if you i mean i'm not saying that 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 can't like, work right, it like can the, i like i think this is kind of a dumb like oh yeah kill me so i'm gonna have him but I, I i like her reaction when he punches her because oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a delayed reaction like she doesn't know what's going on it's like she's right there and she goes mm -hmm. ah! 
that's called pain. I just, I just love how like she's never experienced it before. So as soon as it hits her, she's like, "What the hell? Oh my god, this hurts!" <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. But no, I I think the alternate universe uh, angle can work. It has worked, but. At the same time, too, I feel like that's just become a lazy excuse to be like, oh, well, this is why you don't understand this thing, or this is why, you know, you don't get this, is because it's an alternate universe. I just think it's a good way to gloss over shit that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah. And it's fine with me. I'd rather have this be an alternate universe than this be the definitive take on John Constantine. Boy, Because there's nothing definitive about this movie. No, no, <laughs> no. And there was another, like, when he wakes her up and it's a shot of their faces in the frame together. It's another fake-out kiss. Yeah. yeah it's like, really I think nice. there's another one right here, too. <laughs> Probably. Here it comes. There's something for you. Uh. It's my dick. <laughs> but nope, you won't get to see that either. <laughs> no, it's just this uh, fucking spear. This, like, this weapon of uh, unbelievable power. Um, you should probably just, I don't know, put it under your bed or something. <laughs> yeah. Keep it in the back of a closet. Rules. That's the answer. Rules. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> Somewhere where no one will ever find it. It's like, see, that's just, that's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> because she's just an L.A. cop. It's like, what is she supposed to do? Travel to the farthest reaches of the Arctic and, like, drop it in a crevice somewhere? <laughs> Hide it. Forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you'll be dead in, what, 50, 60 years. Just hide it forever, though. <laughs> Think of a really well, good spot. Are they going to kiss? <gasps> so. Maybe. Maybe. These crazy kids are going to turn out okay. <laughs> oh, what a bait. There's a line earlier in the movie where he tells her about, you know, like, God and the devil and everything. And he says, God's just a kid with an ant farm. And I really like that line. Like, I like that idea of just, like, you know, the... The God, you know, like, do what I tell you to or else. They're just kind of, like, you know, watching his little ants toil away for nothing. Right. <laughs> and I, I like that, but I hate how that's completely undercut with this ending when he's like, maybe God does have a plan for us. Oh. Like, if, if there's ever been anything that's not John Constantine, it's that fucking line. Because, like, that's so the antithesis of everything he's about. <laughs> right, right. Ah. I guess there's a plan for all of us, yes. And that kind of branches out into a, um, a and wider... Then, and then he chews gum because he learned his lesson. <laughs> That's so dumb! <laughs> I can't, I can't. Well, and that branches out into a wider, um, what I believe is an invalid criticism of Hollywood is uh, far-right Christians saying, oh, Hollywood is so secular. Yeah. Hollywood is yeah. just so anti-religious and anti-faith. I'm like, when was the last time you watched a mainstream movie yeah. where a different religious mythology was the main driver or the atheist was right? Yeah, exactly. You don't. You yeah. don't. The idea of like faith being more important than reason <laughs> it's like a driving narrative force in a ton of mainstream movies absolutely yeah. it's a driving mainstay force in our day-to-day -day life exactly and, and yeah and <laughs> and it's just it, i mean you see it a lot with with mainstream uh christianity today is that like persecution complex like this world's so secular and everyone's against us like no it's not you're, you're the majority by by millions in this country <laughs> right <laughs> 
Yeah, the, the, no one, no one's trying to do anything to you. <laughs> well, especially in movies, like the most pop, one of the most popular horror movies of all times is the Catholic Church saving us from the devil. Yeah, you know, and the Passion of the Christ. Right, right, <laughs> which is more hardcore yeah. than any secular piece of cinema I've yeah. seen, with maybe the exception of like a hundred twenty days of Sodom. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I'm a big fan of of. Uh, like religious horror movies, I I, really, I I think it's a cool jumping off point for some really interesting stories. Like I love The Exorcist. Um, I like a lot of that series of movies actually, um, but it, there has to be something more to it than just what this is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're still not sure what this yeah. is. But <laughs> and again, it's just like like I said so many times, it feels so safe. It does. Okay, it's like that two thousand five um, like. Uh, the Wolverine, which was just a fantastic train wreck, but um, which one? Well, that didn't come out in two thousand five. Excuse me, but it's like from two thousand five to you know, oh, I don't know where you want to make the cutoff year, but there was that weird pod of comic book movies where everything is so studio and commercial. Yeah. It's like they didn't quite know that like you can take this and go in different interesting directions with yeah. it. Well, again, I mean, it was the the genre kind of finding its feet um because the comic book movies you know obviously they've been around for a long time but they've only recently wow laz alonzo played this morgue more security guard he's on the boys oh is he tv show yeah who does he play on boys? mother's milk oh yeah. cool um anyway that's funny <laughs> um he uh or uh where's it comic book movies so there wasn't a like template for comic book there was no template for comic book movies back then, and it was just kind of, uh, you know, see see what sticks, see what works, cut out stupid shit, and and keep whatever is, makes it grounded. And they they didn't quite know how to do anything or any of that. And like things like the X Men worked because they put them in black costumes and you know stripped down the more ridiculous aspects of that. I think that would. I think a big, ridiculous, flamboyant X-Men movie would work amazingly now. Mm-hmm. Back then, probably not. And a lot of that has to do with special effects as well. And so for a while there, I understand why they were playing it safe, just because they didn't quite know what to do. But it, it took somebody like Marvel Studios to be like, you know, this is, we're going to directly adapt our comics onto the big screen. You know, here's Iron Man in a big red suit. Here's Captain America in the red, white, and blues. The Avengers, you know, the... You, can't have what we have now without somebody finally taking that big step. And that's a huge gamble because that could have been a $200 million mistake <laughs> that nobody yes. cared about. And so their kind of slow buildup makes, or I understand why they did that. And I, I understand why movies like Constantine got made back then. I just wish that, I don't know. I wish it'd been, I wish it'd been better. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I said a lot about this movie over the years. I struggle to say anything more about it. <laughs> but I'm just repeating myself over and over, really. Well, now, considering the age that we're in, now could be the time for them to take one of the Hellblazer storylines and adapt it to you know, Netflix or Amazon Prime or something like that and tell us a, a Constantine story that is more faithful to the comic. Well, there was the Constantine later. TV show, which was pretty faithful. I mean, it was like network TV, so you can't go too far with the gore or the violence or anything or the swearing that's a big part of Constantine 
Gotta have a lot of swearing. <laughs> this had almost none. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the, the show did a pretty good job, I think. But then the character then showed up on Arrow uh, and Legends of Tomorrow. And now Constantine is currently a uh, reoccurring, or a, a main cast member on Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, and they actually adapted oh, Dangerous Habits recently for that show. Oh, you mentioned that. They did a good job? Yeah. And I, I mean... Legends of Tomorrow isn't centered on Constantine, but they do a good job with his personality. The guy that plays him, Matt Ryan, who's been... He's played Constantine in something every year since 2014. All right. He's played him in uh, the TV show, Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, and then a couple of animated movies. All right, here's the last scene. Shit, we need to do the sign-off. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going a second longer than this has to. <laughs> All right, fucking Chaz comes back to life. It's dumb. This movie's dumb. Uh, follow us on uh, follow us on Twitter at Vertigo Voices. Download, rate, like, do all that stupid stuff that you have to do to be good fans. <laughs> and what do you think of Constantine? Tell us. It's a Vertigo. Don't. No, wait. Was it not Vertigo? It was a Vertigo. Vertigo stop. Vertigo stop. <laughs> Oh, and he's got... Uh, goldie uh, eyes. He's got goldie eyes and Tilda Swinton's wardrobe. Yep. Look at that. Yeah. All right, what about you? Is this a Verta Stop or a Verta Slow or a Verta Go? Uh, it's a combination of Verta Slow and Verta Stop. Yeah. I mean, there's some things, like like you said, you can see the glimmer, like, oh, this might have been more intriguing, and you, you can see some promise in the concepts that they had, but then the execution is just like, meh. I want to say Verta Slow, but no, it's a Verta Stop. I don't like this movie. And I, I dislike it more because of how many people like it. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, it bugs me. Like, no, open your fucking eyes. <laughs> well, and like we were talking about earlier when I mentioned that I could see that if you had no idea what the source material was and you came into this and you're like, I just want a generic action movie where I can shut off my brain and not have to think about it. Then, yeah, go for it, by all means. But the people who are like, oh, no, 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 Constantine is so good. No, it's really good, though. But but it's not. Like, again, I I would be fine with all of the changes that they made as long as it, it was as long as long it was a good movie. But it's just not. There's too many issues, plot holes, and blah, blah, blah. Like I said before, we're done. I'm done with this. I'm mad now. <laughs> you, need to go, you need to go angry dance in an abandoned building. <laughs> Punch a pillow. Angry anger. <laughs> angry whatever fuck it we're done bye goodbye